why is Grace Church not getting some of this mission stuff? So we should, and that is our intention, is to be a sending church, which is the, the subject of our part two message today. Uh, to be a sending church composed of missional believers. Now in that one statement, I may have said some things that really need some definition so you can get your arms around them and know what that is. So that's what we're going to do today. So I hope everybody got a couple of these sheets of paper. Uh, got one that says Missions 101 on top of it. And then you have another one that says How Missional Are You? Now look, take that one that says How Missional Are You? It's a quiz that we're all going to take in just a little while. But put it underneath this one because I do not want you looking ahead don't want you marking boxes, don't want you doing any of that because if you miss this, you're going to miss that. So put that one away until about 10 or 15 minutes and I'll have you take that one out and we'll spend a little time with it. So I hope you have a pencil or a pen or something that you can use to mark with as we look at that sheet. So uh, let's, let's do some... Missions 101 today because, I mean, Grace Church is. We're ascending church. We emphasize some aspect of missions every Sunday. Today we're going to hear from Jack and Sandy Moore who recently returned uh, with us from Brazil as we are ministering there to the Quilombolas. Um, so we are on the road to becoming a sure enough sending church composed of missional believers. So let's put some, uh, some meat on those bare bone terms that we just use and that you hear and we throw around a good bit. So a lot of this stuff uh, needs, some, needs some defining from a New Testament perspective. Because, as you know, the word missionary is not used in the New Testament specifically. But does the New Testament have any examples of missionaries? Who was the most prominent? The Apostle Paul. Uh, Jesus Christ was a missionary. Uh, a lot of what Jesus taught, he taught from the perspective of a missionary. I'm going to show you some of that in a little while. Part of the reason why we don't understand some of what Jesus talked about is because he spoke as a missionary and he was here as a missionary. So when we see that, it helps us understand more of his teachings and parables. Uh, so yeah, the Apostle Paul is kind of the paradigm. He's the guy from which we learn the most about what it means to be a missionary and what missions actually is or are, however you want to grammatically punctuate that thing. So let's, let's look at a few of these terms, and, and, and I want to hear from you. Uh, let's start right on the top of your page. And notice I gave you some, uh, some space to write. Before I give you the definition that I'm kind of married to, I want to hear from you. What is a missionary? Anybody afraid to take a gander, take a stab in the dark? One who shares the gospel. Uh, Bradley? Okay. 
Somebody else? Uh, she said it's someone who goes to the unreached. Someone who shares the good news to the unreached. Okay, anybody else want to add to this? Colin? Okay. All right, we're getting there. Somebody else? It did sound kind of Webster's, but it, Colin, Colin has sat in a mission class or two, haven't you, Colin? He has. Um, so here we go. <laughs> Googled it. Johnny? Dr. John? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That point, okay. Well, in true professorial style, I'm going to give you four parts to this question. So, Miss Margie, uh, give, me, give me number one. What is a missionary? Part A to this. And by the way, there will be a test. I promise you this material, you'll see it on your midterm exam. So you may want to take some good notes. Um, part A to this, and I heard this in some of your, your, your definitions, is someone who is sent. Now whether you know it or not, just the word sent in the entire scope of the Bible is just fraught with theological implications. Do you know that the test of a prophet in the Old Testament to see whether or not, says Jeremiah, he was sent, there's our word, sent by whom? By Yahweh was if his prophecy came true, right? Sent, sent, sent means that you are acting as an emissary or ambassador on behalf of the one who sent you. And of course, in the Old Testament, the prophets were sent by Yahweh and they spoke Yahweh's word to their audience. We come to the New Testament and we find Paul and several other writers using this word out of the context of the Old Testament. And Paul talks about people being sent. Romans chapter number 15, he says, How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are? So my question to you is, if a missionary is someone who's sent, who sends him or her? Let's hear it. And who is the authority? The authority is the church. So to whom is the authority of the Great Commission given? It's given to the local church, isn't that right? You know, um, here's a question that I've been asking folks, because I, I have folk tell me this all the time. Tiffany and I talked about it a little bit this week. The greatest, most prolific heresy in the United States of America today is this. I can be a believer in good standing with God the Father and have nothing to do with the local church at all. I don't need the local church. So my question has become to people that tell me that is, so tell me, how do you fulfill the Great Commission? 
Without the church, you cannot. You see, the church is the, is the sending authority. And uh, there's a lot of folk out there that think God just gives this commission to individuals regardless of their affiliation with the body, with the church, and that's not true. Do y'all remember several years ago this little harebrained kid that went to some islands that he wasn't supposed to go and he got shot by the natives with arrows and killed him? And everybody was comparing him to some of the great missionary martyrs in history. And I was wanting to just throw up on the floor because it's not true. All of the other martyrs that we talk about, like the they had a sending agency behind them. They were sent by their local church. They were also working with a mission sending agency. This kid was just out there on his own, felt like God had commissioned him to go and do it, and he was under nobody's authority. Nobody had sent him, and he got killed. Now, it's bad that he got killed, don't get me wrong. But it just goes to show you that individuals aren't given this authority. The church is. So why does grace say that we're ascending church? Because we believe that God has given us this privilege and this, this responsibility of the Great Commission so we want to train up folk to be missionaries and we want to send folk to accomplish the Great Commission. So a missionary, letter A, is someone who is sent. Hey, man, this idea of authority in the local church looms large in the Old Testament. I mean, excuse me, in the New Testament. And we as believers, if we're not submitted to a local church as a community, and just mark this down, we're living outside of God's will. Outside of God's will. You can't ignore the church and at the same time be right with God. Cannot. So he sent, letter B, Miss Margie, a missionary, someone who is sent across a boundary to where the gospel is not. To where the gospel is not. Alicia brought this definition in of, of unreached. You see, if this is not true, then everybody is a missionary. But you see, that was not Paul's definition by which he operated. Paul said, my aim is to preach the gospel where Christ is not named lest I build on another's foundation. Am I right? As a matter of fact, let's look at that passage in Romans chapter 15. Let me show you one more thing. Romans chapter number 15. Notice what Paul says beginning in verse 20. Thus I aspired to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named so that I would not build on another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Look at verse 22. For this reason I have often been prevented from coming to you. Now let's do some basic New Testament exegesis and hermeneutics. Do you see this word in verse number 22? For this reason... When you see that, you have to ask you, what is the reason? Because Paul just defined it, just gave it to us. For this reason, I have been prevented from coming to you. Who was he writing to? 
He was writing to the Romans. So he said, because of this, I have been prevented from coming to you. So let me ask you now, New Testament exegete, what is the reason that prevented Paul from going to Rome? Say it. There was already an established church there. Missions is not carried out. Hear me. Missions is not carried out in a context that is reached. Now, just about everybody who stands in a pulpit today as a pastor will disagree with me, but that's all right. They are ignorant and can be wrong. Yeah. It is not missions. It's ministry. It's ministry. Where's that picture, Dr. John? Margie, throw that picture up. Let me show you all this. This is what's wrong. This is why we as Southern Baptists are failing at the Great Commission. Because this definition I'm giving you is from a book written by uh, Spitters and Ellison. I recommend it. The title of it is When Everything is Missions. We have made everything missions. And if everything is missions, I submit to you, nothing is missions. So check this out. Dane Caldwell was in a life way. That is the Southern Baptist bookstore. Used to be, used to be Baptist bookstore back. Now it's Lifeway. He couldn't believe it, but he took a snapshot. You know they sell them big pictures in there. You can hang, put up on you all their frame, look real nice, and they sell them for an astronomical amount of money. And uh, well, anyway, can y'all see what this thing says? What, first off, what's going on here, Ben? They are fixing up a house. They're painting, they're doing repairs, they're doing all kind of stuff. Can you see what the caption in that picture says? Huh? It says missions. 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 In Lifeway. That's how off the mark we are today as Southern Baptists. We believe that that is missions. And I'm telling you that's not missions according to the New Testament and according to Paul. That's not missions according to the Old Testament. It's not. That's right. That is ministry. Now, should we be involved in doing those things? I'm saying yes. But that's ministry. Let's don't call it missions. Another thing, here's the basic distinction that you need to be aware of. Uh, Paul didn't go to Rome because there was a church there. Why would a missionary want to go somewhere where there's already a church and the gospel is already established? You see, once a church is planted, it is then the church's responsibility to reach its own context. Am I right? And Paul's in the business of doing what? Going where there was no church in order to start a church that would reach its own context. So evangelism is what we do here. Are you with me? And so many people think evangelism and missions are the same. That's because they're ignorant of New Testament Norms and terminology. I'm not saying that being derogatory. I'm just telling you this. Hey, pastors are the most ignorant folk within the community of faith as it relates to missions. Most pastors have no vision beyond what benefits their local church. They just do. The greatest hindrance, says one missiologist, the greatest hindrance to global evangelization today are pastors. Pastors. 
Because they want to keep everything within their own context. Because let's be honest, our Southern Baptist system is made of that if you don't have a church of a thousand people because you're keeping everybody, then you're not a good pastor. But we've got to get back to a model where we're not measuring our significance, as Dr. John Wilson says, by how many folk we can seat in this building, but by how many folk we can send from here. That's the difference. So, yeah, Paul says, I'm not going there because there already is a church. That church is tasked with the responsibility of doing evangelism on its own field. That's what grace is to do in Bonifay. Here in, the United, in this reached context, that's what we're to be doing. But we're to be sending folks to go to where the gospel is not. To cross a boundary to go where the gospel is not. So folks say, well, what are we to be doing? Missions or evangelism? Yes. <laughs> we're to be doing both. Do y'all see that? All right, stick with me. Letter C, Miss Margie. To see a church planted, not just converts made. Why? Because if you don't plant a church, then you don't leave within the boundary and within the context of an unreached culture any mechanism for reaching that culture. The church is the one who will reach it. So here's the deal. Most groups that come back from a short-term mission trip, what do they emphasize when they stand up in front of folk? How many souls were saved? And watch me. Most of the time they come back and they talk about this big preaching meeting that they had. How many folks came... And when they gave the invitation, how many folks prayed to receive Christ? Now, anytime I hear something like that, I know that that really wasn't missions because if you can go somewhere and have an evangelistic meeting, you can advertise an evangelistic meeting and folks come, then you were, you were already working in a place where they understood enough about the gospel to know they need to go to that meeting. They weren't in an unreached area. That strategy has no appeal no effectiveness at all when you're dealing with people who've never heard the name of Christ. An evangelistic meeting and hear an invitation and come to it. No, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, just the other day I was listening to a group that went to Honduras and come back and they talked about how they had this big meeting and there must have been about 5,000 people there and they preached and they gave the invitation and 876 people gave their life to Christ. Tons of issues with that as a missiologist and as a missionary. Now, should we be doing things like that? Well, probably so in that context. But let's don't call it missions. Let's call it cross-cultural ministry or something of that nature. But Paul would not have endorsed that because there's a church there. There's knowledge of the gospel there. There's knowledge of Christ there. Missions cross a boundary to where the gospel is not, see a church planted, not just a convert made. Hey, our missionaries on the field today, our mission organization, yeah, we want to share the gospel with individuals, but our goal is not the conversion of individuals, it's the establishment of a healthy church. When we walk away from that place, if we don't leave a number of churches, then what have we done? Nothing. Letter D, Miss Margie. 
To see a church planted that can reach everyone in that place without the missionary being present through the work of indigenous converts. Quilombolas reach quilombolas better than gringo missionaries reach quilombolas. The premier model church that we have planted among the quilombolas has a quilombola leader and they are knocking the top out of it. I, went, I had to go to my doctor for labs this week and she knows that I'm a missionary. She said, so tell me, what, what are y'all doing? And I shared a little bit about, with her about what we're doing. She said, so what did COVID do to you? I said, basically grounded us for two years. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I said, don't be sorry. That was the best thing that could have happened. Because our Quilombola leaders realized that when we weren't there for two years, that if this was going to get done, they've got to do it. And they can do it. They can do it better than we can. So while we're home, grounded, basically for two years, can't enter Brazil because of COVID-19, they opened about eight more villages that we have never even been to. You see, that's what, that's what it's about. And sometimes God in His sovereignty just arranges things that way. Uh, they saw because we weren't there that they had to get it done. And by golly, now they don't even need us. And that's the goal. A missionary's job is to work himself or herself out of a job. So, missionary, what do you think about it? Are we hitting close to it? I think so from a New Testament perspective. Now, I would tell my students, you may not agree with this definition. But since I'm a professor and you're the student, this is the one you will give me when I ask you what a missionary is. <laughs> if you want to pass this class. <laughs> All right, number next. Let's look at another dilly here. Moving on through it. Missions, missions, missions. Now, you should be able to deduce a good definition of missions simply because I've already given you the definition of a missionary. So does somebody want to take a stab at missions? Oh, Lordy, who, who showed my answer before I was ready for it? <laughs> All right, here we go. The activities of a local church. See, if you would have just, if you would have just said that, I would have thought, my gosh. <laughs> That's right. Everybody had to have a straight face. Huh? Yeah, and y'all can't do that. <laughs> missions. And you do know there's a difference between mission singular and missions plural. And it's not my purpose to attack that this morning. It's simply my purpose to give us a working definition of missions. When you hear this term used at Grace Church, this is what we mean. We're referring to the activities of a local church in fulfilling its responsibility and privilege. Hey, that's what we've got to start seeing. Man, this is a privilege. This is an honor given to us uniquely by God to do this. So, the activities of a local church in fulfilling its responsibility and privilege to carry the gospel to those who currently have no access to it. Those who have no access to it. What do we call those people? We call them unreached. So, what technically, from a missiological perspective, defines a people group as being unreached? They, they've never heard the gospel. 
They don't have access to it. And they are unreached until there is 2% of the population that are evangelical believers. Once, the, and the benchmark, and this comes from years of, I mean, we've been doing missions at Southern Baptist for 180 years. So it comes from a lot of research and looking back in history and seeing when a population can effectively reach its own people with the gospel. And that benchmark comes up over and over and over at around 2%. So those are the people who receive missionaries. By the way, there are several organizations that track this. Uh, we have one, one of the best things we do is our global research center at the International Mission Board of Southern Baptist Convention. And they have uh, an arm there that tracks the global status or, or the, the, the status of global evangelism. And this is what they're seeking to find out. What percentage of evangelical believers are in this particular region among this people group? And by the way, do you know what, what the percentages are for the southeastern portion of the United States? What percentage of the population in the Bible Belt today are evangelical believers who are pursuing a relationship with Christ? Not just those idiots that say, I can be all right with God and have nothing to do with local church. We don't count them. They don't count. <laughs> say it again, Ben. Is that a guess or... Well, that's a pretty dang good guess. It's right at 10%. Does that, does that surprise you or shock you? Huh? I mean, it does. When we think of Bible Belt, we think, oh man, most of us are believers. But remember, I said those who are pursuing a relationship with the Lord and are involved in the community of a local church. Now, if you just went out and did a poll today, I guarantee you, you knock on a hundred doors, pick a street, pick an area of Bonifay, knock on a hundred doors, how many of those folk are going to tell you they're saved? You're right. How many of those folk are going to be pursuing a relationship with Christ and involved in a community of faith? About 10%. You're right. <laughs> You're a genius, man. <laughs> Hence, 10% evangelical Christians in the Bible Belt of the United States. Hey, that's why our country's doing this. Hey, it can't be 98 and doing this, can it? Yeah. So we've bought into this false version of the gospel that has no power to transform. Do you see that? All right, so missions. There's our definition. By the way, groundbreaking news. In 2007, Link Up Missions took on the responsibility of engaging the Quilombolas of Brazil as an unreached people group with the goal of erasing their name from the unreached list. Today that's starting to happen. Their name has already been dropped by a couple of the major global evangelism, uh, global uh, research centers. And it's because of a couple of things, but we're going to celebrate that. That's what we went in this for. And you see, we have to count it a little bit different over there because who really knows the population? So we can't get a 2% population of individuals per capita 
so to speak, but we do know how many villages there are. And in our state, we are working in the state of Madanhão in northeastern Brazil, and the reason we're doing it is because that's the highest concentration of Quilombola villages in the entire nation of Brazil. The nation of Brazil geographically is about as big as continental U.S. The only thing that gives us more, a more land mass than them was the acquisition of Alaska. Brazil's same size as U.S. basically. In the state of Montanyao, we know there, there are a little over 800 Quilombola villages unreached. So do 2% of 800. Who's my mathematicians? 2% of 8, that's 20%. 16. You just misspoke, Jerry. <laughs> just misspoke. 16. Now stop and think about that. That's not, that's not astronomical, is it? In 20 years, Link Up Missions has already established more than 16 churches in those 800 villages. Hence, they're starting to disappear from the unreached list. Pretty cool, huh? All right, here we go. Uh, missions, missions, missions. There's our, there's our definition right there. So my next question is this. What is a missional believer? If Grace Church, if it's our goal to be a sending church, and who do you send? Missionaries. But you know what else you send? You don't just send missionaries. I mean, we send ministers as well, do we not? We send folk out... Pastor other churches, serve other churches. We, we want to send folk out to plant other churches. So we're sending uh, missionaries and ministers here in the U.S. But what is a missional believer? Have you ever heard that? Because here's what I know as a, as a, as a mission mobilizer, as a mission conference speaker. Here's what I know. And Heather will tell you this. We have never been to a church. Never that did not come up and say, oh, we're very mission-minded. Well, what does that mean? You think about missions? <laughs> Once a year? Uh, that's right, Operation Christmas. Or they give to Lottie Moon, Christmas offerings, something like that. But mission-minded, uh, that is kind of terminology from the 70s. So when somebody comes and tells me that their church is mission-minded, I know, number one, they're hung in the 1970s. But I'll begin to question what that means, and they really can't give me any, any substantiation. I like to watch folk become uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so the, 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 the better terminology is missional. Missional. A missional believer. That's my goal for every one of you. That's my goal for everybody at Grace Church, to be a missional believer. So anybody want to give me a... A stab at what a missional believer is? Y'all don't y'all don't want me to y'all don't want to be uncomfortable, right? <laughs> yeah, that's part of it. It is. It is. That's part of it. Yeah. Uh, you can't be a missional believer and not give. Uh, one missionary said you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Um so yeah, that is a part of it. And by the way, that's, I, think, I think that's the first step of becoming a missional believer. Because here's what Jesus says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did Jesus say that? He did say that. So look, I mean, it's okay. Because I was a pastor. I graduated Baptist College of Florida and seminary two times. 
And I was just as ignorant as most every other pastor. I had no concern for missions. Here's what I saw missions as. Missions was a distraction from my local church. We were sending more money to me, and I didn't understand. You know what I can do right here with that money? And I was a product of the Southern Baptist educational system, and that's the way I thought. And God moved my heart in 2003. And you know how God moves your heart? And it's okay to say, look, my heart's just not in missions. That's okay. We can move your heart. Here's how you move your heart. You find you a missionary who's doing this, taking the, taking the gospel to unreached people and, and being effective, and you start giving to them on a regular basis. It don't have to be a whole lot. It's not how much you give, it's that you give. Heather and I have folk in, a, in our link-up network of no telling how many hundreds of people that some of them give $10 a month. But you know what? You start giving $10 a month and your heart turns because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So that's very much a part of it. Miss Margie, put that definition up of a missional believer. A missional believer is someone who personalizes. Underline that. Let's stop right there for a minute. Who personalizes their participation in the Great Commission. Because here's what, here's what I get from a lot of folk when we start talking about mission giving. They say, well, Pastor, I give to my local church and our church gets... That's not personal. And here's what a lot of folk... You know, I, I, let's be honest. I am the cheerleader and I am the chief fundraiser for the organization of Link Up Missions. And a lot of these churches that are our partner churches, a lot of their people say, well, we give, but we give through our church because we know our church gives to Link Up Missions. No, no, no. You'll never become a missional believer that way because it's not personal. Here's what happens. When you give to a missionary who's doing this, then you are in the loop. You're in his life. Heather and I send out, uh, once a month, we'll send out um, uh, through the U.S. mail, we send out to every donor what's going on right now in Link Up Missions. What's happening? Right now, we're in the business of celebrating the fact that the, the Quilombola is beginning to disappear off the unreached list. How many of you knew that before I said it this morning? You know how you knew it? Did I said it before? That's exactly right. Some of you got that letter. So, as it comes to being in the know with missions, if you are connected at whatever level, in, in giving to a missionary who's worth his salt, he's going to be feeding you with information. I want everybody who's ever given a dime to link up missions over the course of the past 20 years to celebrate with us what God's done through your giving because that's part of being a missional believer. So they personalize it. See, and if you just give through your local church, you don't get any of that because we don't have your name, we don't have your address. We can't be personal with you because you're hidden behind your local church. So, as someone who personalizes their participation in the Great Commission by using their resources, i.e. finances, and their influence to assure that the gospel reaches the unreached. Now, how can you use your influence? Your influence... That's exactly right. Everybody is an influencer to somebody. And you can share that 
with others. Hey, let me tell you what God is doing and what we are celebrating right now. But you also use your influence by using the gifts that God has given you and you take short-term mission trips. And you use your influence that way. Uh, Jack and Sandy will be using their influence more and they're going to stand up here during off time and, and tell you what God did while they were in Brazil a couple weeks ago. That's your influence. So you have personalized... Here's what a missional believer does. A missional believer sees that they have a personal responsibility to make sure that they use what God has given them for His purposes of getting the gospel to those who currently have no access to it. You see that? That's why at Grace we're wanting to be a sending church that is composed of missional believers. So Brother Richie, how do I get connected with a missionary? There's several represented up here that you can become connected with. You happen to know somebody who is the director of a mission organization that can connect you with several, right? Just like that. So, someone who personalizes their participation in the Great Commission. Um, let me just talk about this for a little while. It's amazing. Um, by the way, somebody talked a little while ago about I think it was Dr. John talked about, you know, the process of making these people reach their own. And there's an old saying, I think the man's name was D.T. Niles, that said, evangelism is not complete until the evangelized become the evangelist. Stop and think about that. It's cool, is it? Isn't it? He said that a hundred years ago. But I have kind of modified that statement and you tell me if this is not equally true. Missions is not complete until those who have received missionaries begin to send missionaries. Huh? So in 2003, really, we started working in Brazil. Um, nearly 20 years. And I am seeing that process unfold today because one of our first converts and one of my students from teaching the Baptist College of Florida International Pastor Training Program in Kudurupu, the first student ever who's been approved for a visa to come to the United States because our American consulate will not give them visas to come. Will not because they're too poor. They don't have anything. They come from the interior of Brazil. The first one to ever get a visa is here today because he was approved by the Brazilian Baptist Mission Board to serve as an international missionary and they said you lack one thing. He was the English teacher in Kudurupa. The only one in Kudurupa who spoke any English at all. But he was very sheepish because all he knew was what he'd read in a book. But he could still speak a little English. So the mission board tells him he's got to have one more English certification before they appoint him. Guess where it was offered? UNF, Jacksonville, Florida. Well, I pastored over there. That's where I was when I went to Brazil. So I've hooked him up with all those people. Link Up Missions has helped fund 
the process to get him over here because he is one of ours, one of our converts, one of my students, and he is representing the completion of the missionary process there because those who received missionaries are now beginning to send missionaries. So here's what's cool. Uh, I talk with him about every day on WhatsApp, and you know, I, I, I jank with him somehow. He's always making, like all people do, making cultural mistakes. So now he'll, he'll email or send me a WhatsApp and say, Hey, so-and-so asked me this today. What should I say? <laughs> um, for example, somebody was wanting to come pick him up and take him somewhere and do something. He told him, no, 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 you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to do that. I will take a cat, taxi or Uber or something. I said, Jornandis, cultural mistake. When somebody asks if they can come pick you up, it's because they want to hang out with you. You can't tell them, no, 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 no. I'll just, so anyway, a lot of crazy stuff like that going on. But here's the good news. Lord willing, I'm going to get in my car on July 27th, drive Jacksonville, pick his Brazilian hiney up and bring him back over here. So y'all get to know him and he'll be with us on July 31st. And you know, I've done talk to Colin because I told him, he said, now where exactly is Bonifay? And the only thing I knew to give him any reference, I said, we're very close to the Baptist College of Florida. Because, you know, he, he got a certificate from the Baptist College of Florida in Brazil. And he's just saying, oh, he, he said, oh, th can I go? That will be like a dream coming true. So we're going to get him over here and take him over here to the campus and stuff like that. So anyway, Jordan Nandes is going to be with you guys in, uh, in a couple weeks. He represents them starting to send missionaries. Here we go. Got to run now. Let's do this missional quiz. How missional am I? Y'all got one? I don't have one. I got the score sheet. Let me get one so we can walk through it. Alright, here we go. Now, be honest with yourself because if you're not honest, the results are going to be skewed at the end. So here's a little checkup. Uh, we do this with folk in mission conferences. Those who stick their chest out and say, oh, we're very, we're very mission-minded. Well, let's take a little quiz and just see how mission-minded or how missional you are. There are over 4,000 people groups with more than 100,000 in their population that remain unreached. How many can you name? Huh? Yeah. Quilombolas of Brazil is one, but they don't count because I talk about them all the time. So beyond the quilombolas... Oh, I'll, I'll not go ahead and count. I'll let you count that, Perry. Go ahead. Yeah, that's not fair to take out and off the plate. So everybody knows one. So, zero, I can name none. One, I can name one. Two, I can name two or more. I mean, that's not a high mark, is it, out of 4,000? Knowing two? Here we go. Number two, I pray for an unreached people group by name. Yes or no? Number three, I receive news from the front lines of global missions through? I receive none. You see what I'm getting at here? Secondary sources like the internet are number two directly from a missionary. Now which one of those is best? Directly from a missionary. How are you going to get news directly from a missionary? Be what now? 
And how do you do that? Basically by being a part of their support network, right? That's exactly right. And then you're in contact with them. Uh, number four, how do, I, uh, how do I give my financial resources to help reach the unreached? I do not give. I give through my church. I give directly to a mission agency and or missionary. Number five, how often do I give to a specific agency or missionary to help reach the unreached? Never? Sporadically? Regularly or monthly? Or quarterly? Or something like that? Because let me tell you what missionaries need. We won't commission any missionaries. We won't send any missionaries until they reach what we call a sustainable monthly income level. Because it costs money to live overseas. And missionaries can't work because they don't have the right visas and documentations. So we're not going to send them over there if they're going to starve to death. Or if they can't pay rent. So here's what missionaries need. In our network... Hey, we love it when somebody comes up. I had a guy the other day come up. I was preaching at a church. He walked up and handed me a check. I didn't even look at it. And I got in the car and looked, and it was a $1,000 check. We love one-time gifts. Yay for one-time gifts. But that doesn't help us determine a budget. What we had prefer is someone say, I'm going to give you X number of dollars per month. And see, we can count on that. We can build a budget on that. So that's why we're getting at this... Number two, regularly or monthly. We have some folk that give, give quarterly. However, it's done so the missionary can build his budget on it. Number six, how well do I know my missionary that is working to reach the unreached? I do not know a missionary. I know them personally through my church. I know them personally and spend time with them. Number seven, how well do I know the missionary's field? I do not know where they work at all. I know the name of the country. Number two, I know the name of the city. Uh, or number three, which is worth two points. Number eight, do you know the difficulties that missionaries face? How would you know that if you're not connected to them? A lot of times in my monthly mail out, I'll say, here's the challenge that we're facing right now that I need you to pray for. See that? I know nothing. I know the obstacles they face in ministry. I know their personal struggles. If you know them, you know, see, there's a there's a there's an onion skin here. You get closer and closer to their heart, the more connected you are. Number nine, have you ever visited the missionary's field? And you know what? I we have some fantastic missional believers in the network of Link Up Missions that have never been outside the United States. You can be a missional believer and not. But you'll be a better missional believer if you do. Right, Alicia? You understand some things now, don't you? Uh, Savannah said last week, she reads Acts completely different. Uh, number 10, how do I encourage my missionary who is working with unreached people? Because Lord knows missionaries need encouraging. I never talk to them. I send regular messages through email, text, or notes. Hey, you know why it is we do missionary WhatsApp sometimes? Right here, number 10. We fellowship as often as possible when they are stateside. 
All right, now I hope you marked all of these. Now here's, here's how to score yourself. Add all of those up. Give me a point value or give yourself a point value. Zero, you get zero for that question. One, you get one for that question and so on. So add up all the zeros, all the ones, and all the twos and put your score on that missional exam or that missional inventory. Here's the scale. You may want to write it down. Zero to five, six to 10, 11 to 15, 16 to 19. All right? Zero to five. Anybody be honest? All right, zero to five. Here's the scale. Repent. <laughs> no lie. Hey, I kind of invented the, 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 uh, the test and modified it, greatly adapted it, but I didn't come up with the scale, so don't get mad at me. <laughs> I'm just saying what, 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 what other folks have said. Zero to five, repentance is needed to become a missional believer. Six to ten, anybody? Alright, 6 to 10. Pray and ask for help to become a missional believer. 11 to 15, anybody? You are an emerging missional believer. 16 to 19, anybody? 16 to 19 is a developed, mature, missional believer. So what do you think? Pretty accurate. At least it helps us quantify where we are as it relates to being a missional believer, does it not? So it's interesting. How much time do I have? Am I out of time, Dr. John? I got five minutes. What else can I do on it? Oh, let's talk about this last question. We'll pick this up the next time I get an opportunity to do some mission stuff, okay? So hold on to this. Put it in, put it in the back of your Bible. And we'll finish it up at a later date. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was probably the prince, premier expositor of modern times, lived in the 1800s. He's quoted today regularly from pulpits. Solid guy theologically. Um, he once said this. He once said, every believer is either a missionary or an imposter. Now, in light of what you have already learned today, do you agree or disagree with that statement? The, the, it is harsh. The, the, the statement is harsh. In his day, I can understand why he said that. He had people in his church like, uh, like Hudson Taylor. Any of you familiar with Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor is my favorite missionary. Uh, he, was a, he was a trade school medical doctor who spent his life in China. And Hudson Taylor would say when, I mean, uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon would say from the pulpit when Hudson Taylor was home, in his home church, he would say, I've got to fight because Dr. Taylor almost persuades me to be a missionary. So, if that's the case, then what was... 
Spurgeon saying about himself? Huh? Yeah, that's what he would have to say. See, I do not think, this is probably the only thing that Spurgeon has ever said that I know of. Now, he may have said some more things privately that I disagree with, but this is the only public quote I've ever heard from Spurgeon to which I have a missiological disagreement. I do not believe that every believer is either a missionary according to our definition. Look at your definition on the paper. Ma'am? Well, there does. That's exactly right. Yeah, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so every believer that's a part of a New Testament church, we could say, is either, or Spurgeon would say, is either a missionary or imposter. And I still think it misses the mark. But what I do believe is right is this. Every believer should be a missional believer. Do you see the difference? Because here's what I know. Not everyone is called to be a vocational missionary. To pick up, to be sent by your local church, to cross a boundary where the gospel is not, to learn a language or two or three, to learn culture and to contextualize all of that, to plant a local church that can reach its own without the influence or presence of the missionary. Not everybody... If, if we said that, then we might as well say God's gifted every person to be just a light and we're all a bunch of cookie cutters. It's not. As a missionary myself, I know that it takes people who are not missionaries that fit that definition, but who are missional believers for me to be able to be a missionary. You see that? Thank God for missional believers. We've got folk in our network, we've got businessmen who say, look, I want to tie my business directly to something that has eternal significance. And if it hadn't been for them, we still would not be erasing the name of the Quilombolas from the unreached people group list. Now let me tell you, in heaven, who's going to get the most rewards? The missionary who took it or the folk who enabled the missionary to take it? They're going to be the same, are they not? Because they are all doing the same thing, all part of the same goal. So no, I don't believe. But do you know, am I telling the truth, Dr. John? We've had people come to our church and leave because we're too missional. Can you believe that? But we have. And that's all right. They can go to a mission-minded church and do nothing if they want to. But Grace Church is committed to burning our lives out on things that make an eternal difference and getting the gospel to those who do not currently have access to it today. So, Grace Church, our goal to be a sending church composed of missional believers for the glory of the one who's worthy of the worship of every person who's drawn a breath on this planet today. Hey, bless you. We'll do this again sometime. What do you say? Yay or nay? All right, let's do it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of being involved in the Great Commission. Help us in this journey.